You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. The Bills make me wanna. Buffalo Bills 35, Los Angeles Rams 32. I am Matt Perino. He is my co-host, Ryan Talbot, and this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast on the heels of a barn burner. And Ryan, you tweeted it out after the game. Like, is everybody's heart rate okay? Uh, because that was that was quite the affair uh, at Bill Stadium today. Yeah, I think everyone's blood pressure went uh, pretty sky high at certain points in that second half of the game. If you were a Bills fan, uh, bad and good reasons, obviously, they're included. But when all is said and done, we have Josh Allen once again being the hero for this team. Yes, it was um, it was a, a tale of two halves because the Bills come out uh, in the first half and absolutely put it on the Rams offensively. Uh, they were, they were so good. Everything was clicking. Um, and, and the defense, you know, held their ground. I, I think you mentioned it before we started, there was moments where, you know, things weren't uh, going well, but 20, it ends up being 28 to three, uh, hmm. it, it, early in the, in the <laughs> second half. Uh, and that's when Jared Goff and company just get to work. Uh, we, we also read a stat. 478 yards total offense for the Rams in this game, 29 unanswered points. They didn't punt once and still lost. And, you know, we're going to talk so much about this game, Ryan. Uh, a quick shout out to our sponsor, though, Tops Friendly Markets, uh, your neighborhood store with more. Our official sponsor, I want to give them a quick shout out before we, we get into the deep dive of this game. And I think where we have to start is with this defense because at 28 to three, this game really should have never been in doubt. And, and this defense just couldn't get off the field in the second half. Yeah. And, and you know, you can say what you want about the controversial interception, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but as bad as that call was, it was this defense that had no answer for the Rams. The Rams were doing whatever they wanted in the second half, moving the ball and scoring touchdowns. But the, the other problem with this is, the Rams were doing it in the first half. Levi Wallace was able to end a drive with an interception. Uh, they were they missed a field goal early in the game with their kicker, Sloman. They did not punt one time, as you mentioned today. The Rams just marched up and down the field on the Bills. Run defense, bad. Pass defense, bad. 
Leslie Frazier and the Bills have a problem. Two straight weeks where they've been pretty well beat up by opposing quarterbacks. And yes, last week, no Tremaine Edmonds, no Matt Milano. You had them both back today. You had Taron Johnson, who was questionable coming into this game. You had your your whole starting arsenal, and you gave up almost 500 yards of offense and did not force them off the field one time, minus Levi Wallace interception. Yeah, and you know, I think I think both sides of the ball, and I think teams across the league are still getting used to the 2020 season. Like, I, I hate to provide an excuse, but I think it's something you know that's worth mentioning. Micah Hyde said after the game that you know a lot of times, especially in Orchard Park at, at the stadium, you know when they have a tough you know drive or sequence, it's usually that 12th man, the Bills Mafia, that starts to get loud and starts to get them back into things, uh, flips the, and that just wasn't there today. And, you know, it, you saw everything kind of pile up, pile up. And I think that, you know, uh, Josh Allen said that it was a little bit of a lackadaisical, um, uh, laps by, by the team in general. And he has to do better, a better job of getting everybody motivated and making sure that that doesn't happen in the future. But I could see how that happens. I mean, everything is going so well for you. And, you know, in the first half, your offense, where this is a team over the last three years that has not been able to rely on their offense to score points. I think that it was, um, 19 points or more in the first half, the first three weeks, and the Bills haven't, uh, you know, went through all of last season averaging 19 points a game. Um, so the 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 role reversal here early on is something that I think might be throwing things out of whack for this team, and maybe why, that's why we're seeing so many of these ebbs and flows of the momentum. Yeah, you know, maybe that does factor into it. Uh, and who would who would think that uh, one year after watching, or maybe two, the last two years watching this defense dominate, that we'd be sitting here back-to-back weeks talking about how this offense, once again, bailed out the defense. A defense that has talent at all three levels. Great talent at all three levels. There's something going on, though, that is preventing them from executing over the course of four quarters. Uh, yeah, it was hot today. I did see that in the comments. Someone mentioning that. The linebackers may not have been at 100%. They had some guys go down. Addison Short went down for a few plays. You had Hyde go down for a few plays. But that does not excuse this performance. They struggled. They have been struggling. And, and, you know, they have some really good opponents here over these next few weeks where who knows if the offense can can put up the amount of points that they've been putting up on a week-by-week basis. They're going to need the defense to step up and, and to – force some of these opposing offenses off the field at three and outs or shortly thereafter. Cooper Cup, nine catches, 107 yards and a touchdown. Robert Woods, five for 74 and a touchdown. But I think one of the things that I was impressed with with this defense was Tyler Higby, a guy that's been a red zone threat. And, you know, I know they scored their points uh, even still, uh, but Tyler Higby, Two catches, 40 yards, no touchdowns. They really held him in check. I thought Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, uh, their return, and we can talk a little bit about Tremaine Edmonds because I did see, again, it's tough in real time. I want to go back and watch the game, and we'll talk more about this on Wednesday. Uh, I saw some fans were unhappy with Tremaine Edmonds today. I even saw somebody tweeted Tyrell Dotson saying, hey, we need you to start again instead of Tremaine Edmonds, which I think is a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, he's coming off a pretty serious shoulder injury. You, even earlier this week, he was in a red non-contact jersey all week. So when he was you know, deemed ready to go. I thought I, I, my expectation that maybe he wasn't going to be at a hundred percent. It seemed like he was a little bit slow, reactive, uh, reacting out there today. And I thought a couple of those big plays, chunk plays happened where he seemed to be out of a position, but I thought Milano, he made a couple of huge plays, especially in the first half 
when the when the Rams were getting things going. Uh, one was the sack. Uh, he blitzed and made just an absolutely great play. Bull rushed his, you know, pushed his way through uh, the, an offensive lineman to sack off, and then a big play in coverage against Cooper Cup. And you know, again, a guy like Cooper Cup, you're not going to really, you know, shut him down most of the time, especially with the interchangeability of of all these weapons that the Rams have in their in their at their disposal. Yeah, and you know, the first time I saw fans complain about Edmonds today, I want to say it was the third down play. It was a pass possibly to Cooper Cup, where Cup was able to not only get away from Edmonds, but then break a few tackles up the middle of the field. But I have to go back and watch it again. But at first look, I thought that Edmonds was trying to play the ball and bat the ball down. I have to go back and see because people are saying, oh, he missed another tackle. I'll go back and rewatch it again tonight or tomorrow morning. I thought he was trying to actually make a play on the ball, and then uh, two or three guys missed the tackle after the fact. But like you said, they also made some plays. Milano made some plays. Uh, Karen Johnson, for instance, struggled in coverage at times, but I think he had three big plays in run defense for the Bills. Actually, two in run defense and one on a screen pass that he uh, blew up pretty much immediately for a big loss. So, you know, there were some good plays from this defense. I'm not saying it was an absolute off-the-rails train wreck, but it, it's not what we've come to expect from this unit by any means. Yeah, and I think just a little bit of uh, you know a little bit more luck in the turnover game. There, the Bills had two turnovers today. They forced three fumbles, though. So I mean, if you recover even two of those three fumbles, who knows if that maybe changes the momentum? There was a couple other big momentum plays that we'll talk about later in the show. Uh, but let's let's turn things over to the offense for a moment because um, I think the story of this game for me is the identity of this team is changing before our eyes. I mean, we're only three weeks into the season, but for a team that's, you know, really hung its hat over the course of Sean McDermott's tenure here uh, on their defense and their ability to make big plays defensively, you know, make teams really stretch out drives and not a lot of times not be able to finish those drive with points or at least, you know, holding the three, three points. You know, there was a lot of touchdowns in this game today and it was Josh Allen, whose five touchdowns, all five of those, the bills needed to win this game. Yeah, you know, he was great throughout the game. Second drive on, you know, the first drive, he he was maybe a little too fired up, amped up, overthrew a ball. A lot of fans at home missed that one because uh, Fox kind of cut out on that opening drive. But he was outstanding, like like he has been all season. He's seeing the field really well. He's putting in some picture-perfect passes to his guys. Uh, there was one late in the game to digs along the sideline where it just went perfectly lofted right into his hands. He is dealing right now. And, and it's not just with Diggs. We saw that John Brown was not a factor today. He exited at one point with an injury. Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, the tight ends got involved. He is just picking apart these defenses, and, and he's making them have to choose. One of the touchdowns that he had to Lee Smith, it was Ramsey that was in coverage on him. Uh, and because the way he rolled out, Ramsey was kind of playing off a little bit, thinking that Allen might try to run it. Well, no, that, that helped free up Lee Smith, so even the little things that Josh Allen is doing back there is, is opening things up for this offense, converting big plays when they needed 22 yards, he finds Beasley and, and kudos to Beasley for, for getting right to the marker there. So, you know, anytime that the bills need a big play, it seems like Allen can, can draw it up. Is he still doing a little bit too much sometimes? Yes. He gets called for the face mask. He fumbles. He gets that penalty. Uh, the the pen interference slash interception never should have been thrown in the first place. So there, there's still a little bits and pieces here. But at the end of the day, this is what you want from a franchise quarterback, a five-touchdown effort. 
growth, 70%, over 70% completion percentage, over 300 yards passing. I feel like that's ho-hum at this point. Three games in a row, three 300-yard passing games, one 400-yard passing game at that. So he has checked every box this season, and you got to feel really good. And at this point, I think it's safe to say the Bills have their franchise quarterback. Oh, you know, without a doubt. And I, I, you know, you always want to, you know, temper expectations and be careful. I, I thought that they had their franchise quarterback going into this year. I thought I saw enough last year, even with what happened in Houston. Uh, you know, I go back to that Dallas game and, you know, those, those kinds of games and those kinds of moments don't happen by accident. Like I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like you're able to, you know, summon you now, Listen, there's been anomalies over the years, guys that have kind of showed up in big spots, but that was a different spot. Like on Thanksgiving with the entire world watching to show up and be as composed and poised as he was, it was impressive. And today for him to have the game that he had, you know, he again, he goes over 300 yards again, 128.9 quarterback rating, uh, 72.7% completion percentage. But all of that happens, most of it happens, before when he really needed to reach deep and make things happen. And that was when things for this offense had stalled. I mean, the, the, the Rams made unbelievable defensive adjustments at halftime, and they figured out a way to unlock Aaron Donald and get him in the backfield. And we saw two sacks, two tackles for a loss. Ryan, these were unbelievable plays by a superhuman Man, I mean, this guy was just making plays all by himself. On the one play, uh, he kind of suplexed him and, and, you know, MMA style. I was watching the Israel Adesanya fight last night. I, I kind of sat up in the press box and was like, man, that was, that was a nice takedown there. He slammed Josh Allen. And then on the other one, he basically sacked him with one hand, brought him to the ground, forced the fumble. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, Josh Allen called him the best defensive player in the, in the league, and it was easy to see why today. Yeah, you know, and, and there was one play after the game that Josh Allen acknowledged. He goes, I have no idea how he got into the backfield, how he was there. Uh, I think it was actually on one of the designed option runs where uh, he was near the goal line, and, and Donald broke that one up by just kind of breaking through and getting to him. The Bills did ultimately obviously score a touchdown on that drive, but Allen was blown away with, with Donald's performance. I think anyone that watched that game should have been blown away with the performance. But in the second half, it just wasn't Donald. It was other defensive linemen. It was other players on that defense. Uh, again, I have to go back and rewatch. I don't want to be too strong in my opinions here after the, the live watch, but I thought the interior of this offensive line really struggled today. And I know the bills are still trying to figure it out. Uh, they're playing forward on the left side. They're putting Brian winters in there. I think winners was penalized maybe twice today. Morse once on a controversial penalty. You have John Feliciano, hopefully coming back sooner by, by the sounds of it, uh, chomping at the bit to get back out there on the field. I still think the Bills are trying to figure out what what's their best combination on the interior. Uh, and until they do, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs. You're not going to go against an Aaron Donald every single week. Thank goodness for Josh Allen. Uh, but you still need to have some better overall play from that part of the offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, but I, the offensive line was bad. Even you go back and you watch in the second half, you go back and watch that last drive. And I, I was able to do that right before we, we started because I told you, you know, a lot of times I'm writing that instant at the buzzer observation story. So a lot of times some of the stuff that happens, you know, in those last couple of drives, you know, I, I don't I don't see them. Uh, I have to go back and watch. And so I went back and watched that last drive. And there was one play where on, on the sack uh, where the at, at first it was ruled an incompletion where he rolled out to his left. Then it was a sack. Cody Ford got absolutely, you know, just beaten. 
And, and those kinds of things can't happen. You go back to last year and when some of the breakdowns were happening, you know, in that Houston game, and a lot of the problems were what, what was happening up front with on this offensive line. And, you know, I think that, you know, Brian Winters got his first real good long look today. I, I'm wondering if they miss Quentin Spain a little bit in pass protection down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the mix next week. And again, to your point, John Feliciano, I still think they met, miss him from a tone setting perspective. Deion Dawkins was hurt today. How long is he going to be out for? Is that how serious is that injury? Does Ty Seki have to step into that left tackle role? And that's intriguing too, because listen, Deion Dawkins is arguably their best offensive lineman, but Ty Seki, he's been no slouch when he's been asked to play left tackle in the past. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be losing a ton there, especially if he can go, go in game plan for the week. Uh, but there's a lot of like moving parts in this offensive line right now. Yeah. Uh, like you said, a lot of moving parts interior outside with Vinsecki possibly playing on the, on the left-hand side, depending on Dawkins, uh, what's, what's going on with him and how serious it is. Uh, the possible return of Feliciano. So the list goes on and on and, and, and even, uh, Darrell Williams today, I thought was kind of up and down. So you're right. It wasn't just the interior of the offensive line. I think the whole unit struggled as a whole in terms of uh pass defense. I am going to give him kudos in terms of run defense, though, or run blocking, I should say. My apologies. Uh, I thought that Devin Singletary, yeah, some of it was his elusiveness, some of his vision, but I thought they also created some good running lanes for him. TJ Yeldon, three carries, averaged six yards per carry, ended up with 18 yards on those three carries. Uh, and then they obviously had some of those designed quarterback runs for Josh or the options near the goal line that he was able to punch one in there, too. So, for as uneven as I thought that they were in pass protection, I thought they played a pretty solid game when the Bills decided to run the ball in terms of uh, getting him, getting Devin Singletary past that first uh, initial uh, wave of defenders. All right, we got more to come, guys. Let's uh, before we get into the rest. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills Football Podcast. If you're just tuning in, thank you for joining us. We still got a lot to talk about and unpack from this game. And it's funny because I think you. You, you get into a game like this and, uh, you know, you, you you look at the ups and downs and some of the things that you didn't like from the game. I think the bottom line is you have a 3-0 and football team that has an offense that continues to make plays, big, big-time plays, and that's got to be excite, exciting for a fan base that's just been starving for, it seems like, decades for an offense like this. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Please, if you are watching live, check out uh, the podcast on all the audio platforms, rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate it. And before we continue, a quick word from Tops, our new sponsor. Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. One of the big plays uh, in this game and maybe the biggest momentum changer uh, was the interception, Josh Allen's first interception of the season. And really, if this call goes how I think a lot of people probably thought it should have been called, we're sitting here, you know, at the end of uh, uh, three games, uh, it's 12 quarters uh, of football and no interceptions for Josh Allen. Now he does have the one on his stat line now, and it was kind of a bad decision on Josh Allen's part. He, he kind of threw off of his back foot. Uh, I think somebody mentioned that he was trying to throw it out of the bounds and it just did not go that way. And uh, Tyler Croft had to make a play on the, uh, on the ball. And it looked like he caught it and came down to it with it, but they ruled it an interception, right? Yeah. Let's start with the Josh Allen decision-making part of it. You're right. Should not have been thrown. What was it supposed to go out of bounds? Maybe, uh, but, it, but it looked more like a, Hey, let's, let's kind of throw it up to my guy and see if he can make a play. 
Uh, Croft did get, get a little push in there, hence the, the flags coming in. But you're right. He caught the ball. He came down with the ball. And then at that point, the Rams defender was ripping at it, and they were kind of tussling with the ball uh, with Croft on top. But w- when you watch the play live, when you watch it on replay, he came down with the ball. There was no question about it. So for them to, one, call the interception on the field was ridiculous. For them to then review it and then to say the call stands was preposterous. And then to have the NFL officiating crew tweet about it, show the play and say there was no evidence that Croft maintained possession of the ball coming down with it. They doubled down on their terrible call. That This is not something where they should be defending it. You know, If anything, they should be coming out tomorrow morning saying, hey, we were wrong on this call. That's our bad. We're going to go back. We will we'll make sure that we improve this process going forward. But they doubled down on it. You know, NFL officials, whether or not it, it, that game, it, it didn't swing the, the game in the Rams' favor. It did change momentum for a little bit. But Buffalo's defense couldn't stop the Rams. So I'm, I'm going to definitely stop short of saying that that play could have cost the Bills the game because it, it takes a lot more than one play. But plays like that, calls like that should not be happening. That's what you have the replay process for. So shame on the officials and shame on the NFL for then doubling down on that terrible, terrible call. Um, the recipient of uh, the throw and you know what sh- probably should have been a catch was Tyler Croft, who had an absolutely monster game today. Uh, you know Dawson Knox played the first two games of the season, most of the first two games of the season. No touchdown touchdowns for the tight end position. Tyler Croft starts today. Uh, for the first time in a long time uh, since he's had a start. And, uh, you know, he comes away with two touchdowns, uh, t- four catches, 24 yards, but all four of them were massive, including the game winner. And it's it's a cool story. I mean, you you saw the emotion in Cole Beasley's eyes after the game. He was ta- asked about it, and he said it was just a cool moment. And, you know, obviously the team got to share it with Tyler, who struggled to, you know, get healthy. And, you know, we've talked about it before, like some of the, you know, the commentary on social media about Tyler Croft and his inability to get healthy. All he's, you know, and, and the frustration in the fan base because of it, um, He's done something this year so far that, you know, Sean McDermott always preaches your best uh, ability is your availability. And he has been available. And not only was he available today, but he made big plays when the Bills needed him to make it. One note on Croft, though, that I think is interesting. If you notice when he makes catches, you know, he it seems like he has a lot of trouble keeping his footing. I'm wondering if it's either subconscious or. Um, if, if maybe those, the, the, he's always going to have issues with his feet at this point, but it, I, I don't know if what's going on there, but it always seems to, to me that he has trouble keeping his footing when he has the ball in his hands, but it didn't matter on two of those plays today because they ended in touchdowns. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because again, I want to rewatch it, but I felt like there's a few plays where, where Cole Beasley couldn't keep his feet today. And, uh, so it wasn't just cross. I don't know what the, the reasoning for that would be, but. You're right. Maybe it's something psychological. Maybe it's something with with the foot injuries. But it, it's easy to feel good for this guy. He battled through injuries all of last year. He he's stayed. He's done everything right. You're right. The availability is the most important thing. Uh, but but he's bought into the quote unquote process. He's been a team player. When Dawson Knox kind of took over that job last year, you know he he was a good soldier about it. Now he's number two tight end in in name at least. And when they needed him today, he came up with two huge touchdowns um, to, to win the game for the Bills. And, and it was awesome because, like you said, you saw the emotion from the players. Uh, I commented after the game, I loved seeing Stefan Diggs not only just 
uh, from what he brings from that leadership perspective. But he goes over to Croft and he's slapping his hand, slapping the helmet, saying something right in his face, getting him fired up. Uh, and that's a leader. That's leadership. That's a competitor. You know, all we heard after the trade was, ah, oh, that digs. He's a diva. Have not seen one ounce of him being a diva whatsoever. And I get it. It's three games in. He's a competitor, though. Get it right. There's a big difference between being a competitor and wanting to win games and, and feeling like maybe sometimes you need the ball in your hands to do that than being a diva. And, and so far, you know, not getting too far away from Croft here, I just loved what I saw from Diggs after that game-winning touchdown uh, to the tight end. If there's anything that you'd like us to hit on, uh, we got a few more things that we want to get into. Uh, please leave it in the comments. We'll both start combing through there uh, and, and try to answer your questions. Um this is an, I feel like every time, and it's funny, I, me of all people should never feel like a game is over at 28 to three because I was actually in attendance at the greatest comeback of all time, the Bills and the Oilers back in the day. So I feel like that, you know, no matter what, an NFL game is never over. I mean, one of the things that I think is missing in all of this is the talent level of the LA Rams offense. I mean, Sean McVay, the notoriety that he's built over the course of his career, you know, it, ha it hasn't been for any nothing. I mean, what he's done with Jared Goff and the level at which Jared Goff is playing right now, I know that, that this defense had some struggles today and they, and they, made, they probably had some plays that they wish that they made. But Jared Goff was, he was pretty surgical. There was two plays in particular where he was under pressure. He had to put the ball 10 or more yards down the field you know, on a rope in the right spot. And he made those throws pretty consistently today. And I think that their, their offense is really tough to play against because, you know, they have two guys in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup that are so versatile that you could do so many different things with and, and throw different looks at. I almost think like a lot of times offenses talk about the disguising uh, ability of, uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and a lot of what the Bills do in their secondary. Well, I think that from an offense pers perspective, nobody can disguise things more than the Rams because of all the different formations that they could throw at you and different, you know, options that they have in terms of their route concepts with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Yeah, the the one touchdown pass to Robert Woods, I, I felt like uh, Goff got popped on that play pretty hard, and he stayed into the last second to deliver that ball, made the right read. Woods kind of did the rest there after the play. It, it's a very great offense. Goff was outstanding today. I, I love the, the carries to Robert Woods. I like the way that they use Cooper Cup. They have some other talented, younger uh, wide receivers there, obviously, two tight ends. Uh, the, the big one being Higby, but even Gerald Everett can come up with some big catches here and there. Uh, but I, I really feel like the Rams and, and part of Goff's success today was the fact that the Bills couldn't stop the run either. So they had to really play the run. So the play action pass was working. The rollouts were working. Uh, everything was working for the Rams because the Bills could not stop anything. And, you know, come not to get too far ahead, but that Raiders game coming up, I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a healthy dose of, uh, of the ball in that game until the Bills can prove they can stop someone on the ground. But, Goff was outstanding today, and a lot of it had to do with the fact, though, that, that play action was working. The Bills were, were struggling in all capacities or all forms. But also Sean McVay does a great job of, of drawing up offensive plays. Uh, one play that I that I was commenting on going into this game was where the wide receivers kind of roll out one direction, quarterback goes the other, and then there's a wide receiver that sits in the middle of the field, catches mm -hmm. it, and runs up upfield. We saw that late in the game against the Bills, and it, play, it paid off again. There was pressure in Goff's face, but that player – now I'm blanking on who it was. Maybe it was Woods catches it and runs right up field on touch for a, a solid 15, 20 yards. So, you know, kudos all the way around to the Rams. Their offense is rolling. It is a very good offense. 
Um, I, I was going to say, I don't know when we're going to see such a, as good of an offense again, again, but that Chiefs game is coming up on the horizon. So, you know, probably pretty soon for the Bills defense in terms of getting a chance to go against a another potent offense here in the near future. So, you know, but kudos to them. They were great. It wasn't just that the Bills defense was bad. They were surgical. They were moving the ball with ease because of, of the, the game plan that they had, especially after making some adjustments in the second half. Uh, you mentioned and brought up the, the run game for uh, the Rams, and I thought both teams ran the ball pretty well today. And that was a strength going into the game for L.A. that I think the Bills – that had me in, in terms of pregame a little bit concerned about not only what they're able to do when the ball's in their uh, – you know running back's hands, but the play action that they love to run. I, I thought Jared Goff had a lot of success uh, throughout the game uh, today, again, on play action. Um, and, and maybe that was something that kind of kept the Bills at bay in terms of their pass rush. I mean, not a lot of uh, quarterback hurries in this game. Uh, I thought that at, even though there were some some plays where he was hitting and made a th- couple throws, he did have some time, uh, especially in the second half when they scored the 29 unanswered, that I thought um, – you know, he played really well. And, you know, this run game, I was expecting it, but I think it's also concerning at the same time. I mean, Daryl Henderson is a, is kind of a nice young back. He's quietly becoming somebody that's sneaky, uh, pretty re- reliable for them after they went out and they drafted Cam Akers. Um, but I thought today, Daryl Henderson, 20 times, 114 yards, 5.7, a pop uh, and one touchdown. You know, they really struggled to, to, to contain the run game. And, and that's something that, you know, when, when, when you have to fear the run game, that's when teams can start to pick apart that zone and, and find little places in that zone to, to, to beat you. And that's what happened going forward. And, you know, the runners that they'll face, you know, in the next few weeks, it doesn't get any easier. Josh Dake, Jacobs next week, Derek Henry the week after that. This is something that they got to they gotta come t- together and figure out. And I think that you do have to sit back and have confidence in not only Sean McDermott, but Leslie Frazier to be able to self-scout, self-evaluate, figure out what's going wrong there and kind of flip the switch. Um, but for the Bills, 5.5 a carry for Devin Singletary. I I would have liked to see him get the ball a little bit more. I thought he was on on pace or on track for maybe a 20-plus carry day today. I tweeted it out. He didn't get that. His four catches for 50 yards were obviously huge. He had one play uh, where he absolutely undressed the defender, would-be tackler on a, on a cut, a nice juke move. Uh, and, and that's in his bag. That, he, that's what he's able to do. But I thought Devin Singletary went out today, had a uh, a top-notch performance for who I believe is the starting running back for this team. Yeah, Singletary was outstanding, not only as a rusher, but as a receiver. We, we, we said it last year. He has outstanding vision. He's elusive. He can make you miss. He did it a few times in that game where a little hop step, a little move to the back, a little juke here and there, and he was able to turn – uh, a small gain into a sizable gain. He's great at that. He's never going to have that game-breaking speed, but he can still pick up good, uh, sizable chunks of yards for this offense. On the flip side of it, like you said, Henderson, almost six yards per carry. Uh, the Rams finished with 5.2 yards per carry as a team, and obviously that's with Goff running a few times, uh, Brown running, and, and Woods running it as well. But th- that's concerning, and I- I'm sure the magic words we're going to hear over the next few weeks are gap integrity. It's something that we heard a lot when, when the run defense was an issue the last few years. A- and to their credit, when when the Bills did show signs of improvement, it was because of their gap integrity. So maybe that's something that we'll have to be listening for and looking for in these next few weeks. All right, we got a question here. Um, touch on the lack of adjustments made at half in three straight games now. Third quarter has not been a friendly one. And yeah, the third quarter, it's, 
it's tough. I think that the Bills have been playing so well in the first quarter, first and second quarter, and jo Josh touched on it. There is a, a bit of, um, you know, lackadaisical, uh, you know, maybe taking your foot off the gas pedal. And in this league, you just can't do that. And so I think it's, it's, it's now on the coaching staff, whether it be Brian Dable in the offense or Sean McDermott in the defense, you know, how, and Leslie Frazier, however that ends up working out, you have to devise ways during the week to coach this, these situations, because you want to come out in a complete, and you don't want to have a slower start either. You don't want to have the third, the third quarter issues be kind of transferred over, made a, a slow start in the first quarter. You want to maintain the way that they've been playing in the first half, but you do have to come out in the second. And I think it's also an adjustment period. I spoke about it a little bit earlier on the show. There's an adjustment period to playing in this COVID environment. These games, I'm, I'm. This is my second game in this in this season. Uh, you know, we we obviously weren't on the road in Miami, and it's it's bizarre, Ryan. It's it you know playing. You're never going to get used to playing in an empty stadium for an NFL football game. Where you know a lot of us, you know, for me, I've been going to football games dating back almost 30 years now, and, and so there's a there's just an expected um, way that it works. The feelings in the game, the the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, and it's just a little bit different right now. Yeah, I, I can see that playing a, a factor into these second half with the adjustments, with the fact that the crowd noise, you know, that can throw offense off. It can lead to them burning timeout. Something, you know, if, if I were to criticize Sean McVay today, it would be the way he burned his timeouts in the second half. Um, but, you know, getting a lot of the line, causing the delay of, of games, causing maybe some false starts and, and things like that. You're not going to kit that this year because right now there is no crowd. Uh, the, the games have been pretty clean from that perspective. So that is bizarre. But in terms of the adjustments, you know, I actually thought at the start of the second half here, the, the Bills actually started out okay to, uh, today against the Rams. I think they forced actually a uh, turnover on downs to start the second half near midfield. Then they scored the touchdown to go up 28-3. to three. So it looked like, okay, at this point, hey, maybe that third quarter is actually going to be okay. Then the Rams score. Then you get the controversial interception that really wasn't. And then things went downhill fast. Uh, you know, kudos to the Rams. They picked up the tempo a little bit where they saw the Bills were reeling. Uh, they had some perfect plays drawn up. But early on in the second half, and I mean very early, I, I thought that the Bills were still doing a, a good job. But then, the, then that collapse started to happen. So it is concerning. It's something where every week you cannot expect your offense to kind of bail you out, play game after game after game. Uh, so it's something that has to get figured out sooner rather than later. Yeah, Elliot says, could we see Sean McDermott take over the play calling for a game to light a fire under Frazier? I'm not so sure that, like, you know, I think that they've evolved, you know, as a staff and as a as a team now. Like, you go back to when that happened this was a completely different team and it was a completely different um, situation, you know, in game. I felt like even as things were kind of devolving uh, here today, there still was a sense of, you know, you know, confidence in, in what they were doing. And, and I think that, you know, people have said in this locker room, you go back to Lorenzo Alexander, that what Leslie Frazier brings in these moments is a sense of ease, a sense of calmness. And that's important too. Like you, you definitely want to, you know, be put in, in the right situations, but sometimes you go up against a, uh, an offense where and maybe it wasn't about the play calls as much as how Sean McDermott and Micah Hyde said they had just figured out, they made the proper adjustments and, and it's a game of adjustments and the bills just weren't able to make adjustments as you move through the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, they still weren't really making 
uh, adjustments as you know, they, they weren't just not getting stops. And so I don't know if it's necessarily about the play calling in this situation, as much as it's making plays. I mean, uh, there were gaps in this, in, this, in, in, um, uh, the coverage there was, you know, just letting guys catch the ball and run with it. I'll be interested to see, uh, tomorrow when we get a chance to look at that pro football reference, uh, you know, deeper dive box score at what, what the run after the catch was today, because I felt like, um, you know, like I said, cup Robert was there making some big plays. Did you see any other questions in here you wanted to hit on Ryan? Yeah. Bob Anastasia, I think has a good one, uh, about Josh Allen, but really quickly touching upon what you said. Yeah, I agree. I don't see them taking away the play calling from Leslie Frazier. Uh, I, I think that the week that they actually gave McDermott a few plays uh, or let him call the plays was after two historically bad performances. Now, mind you, the offense played a role in those games too, giving up the ball, uh, field position, et cetera. But I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I think they're going to give Frazier another opportunity or two here. Uh, but I, I look forward to hearing from him at the start of the week here to see what he saw after watching back the game and getting his thoughts on it. Josh Allen, I'm gonna, we're going to take this question, but I'm going to read this off for you guys. Um, threw for 311 yards and four touchdowns to, today, uh, and he is now uh, at 10 passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns on the season, uh, and that makes him the first quarterback in NFL history uh, with 10 plus touchdowns and two plus rushing touchdowns in teams first three games. So yeah, MVP, MVP discussion, 100%. Um, I think that what's so impressive about watching Josh just, you know, from a play to play perspective, it seems like he, he's really reading things out there differently. Like he's seen the game kind of unwind in a more nuanced way and a more, even today, like I, I felt like there was times in that fourth quarter where the pressure of it all. And uh, you know, when, when you're struggling out there and it's series and play after play of things not going well, you could see the stress on a quarterback's face a lot of times. And you saw it at times I thought today with Josh, but he, he bounced back. He was able to make plays, but I thought particularly on those, on those short touchdown passes, especially the three on the one drive early on when he had to actually, you know, he threw one to stuff. It was a two in a row to Diggs, two to Diggs. And, and then the one to Lee Smith. It looked like he was reading the, his going through his progressions. And that's a huge, that's huge, man. Like this is something that we were, you know, the, the naysayers were saying couldn't be done uh, with, with a quarterback of jo Josh's raw um, just stature coming into the league as a prospect. So, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm placing him directly in the MVP conversation. There's so many good young quarterbacks in this league. There's elder statesmen. I mean, I, I think we could put Russell Wilson in that. Uh, that guy's been in the league doing this for a long time now. But you got guys like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. And you, who knows what Tom Brady is going to uh, evolve into here over the course of the next few weeks, 25 to 10 right now over, you know, a Denver team that, you know, I don't think anybody's going to say is a Super Bowl contender, uh, but Tom Brady, 22 of 34, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So there's a lot of quarterbacks playing well right now, uh, but Josh Allen is directly in the mix and I, I would put him up in the, in the upper echelon right now. Yeah, Bob, I'll, I'll go a little, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to say he is the co-leader right now with Russell Wilson. That's one A, one B for the MVP. If if the if MVP was voted on after three games, which it's not, it would be Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. Those two neck and neck for the votes. They both have meant so much for their respective teams. You saw what Wilson did last week to that Patriots defense. Uh, you, you see what he was doing today. At least before we got on here, he was doing a nice job 
Uh, had what should have been another touchdown to DK Metcalf where uh, Stefan Diggs' brother broke it up because uh, Metcalf was kind of hot-dogging it on his way into the end zone, decided to stop running a little bit. So Russell Wilson, brilliant quarterback, right up there. Josh Allen, though, same spot. They he has been no player has been more important to his team through three weeks than Josh Allen. I like it. You just you're just putting your stamp on this thing with a with with an aggressive tone to start it off. I, I love when Ryan gets real takey on the show. Uh Elliot with another one here. Uh and we were planning to, to hit on AJ Epinesa so we could do that before we get out of here. Uh I thought he came out aggressive in the first half. And I thought obviously he finished the sack and you know it was a nice play action from golf and rolled out and Epinesa, you know, ran through the end of the play. There was a, another play where uh he kind of came in late on a play and I think he pushed Cooper Cup, which you know, I'd see a little, you know, slot receiver, leave Cooper alone, but that's beside the point. You know, Epinesa looks charged up tonight, today. He looked energetic. He looked like kind of confirm what my th- thought process was. And hopefully we'll get a chance to ask uh, Sean about it early, uh, tomorrow. But I thought when we saw at the beginning of the game here or before the game, when inactives came out, Daryl Johnson inactive for the first time this season, to me, the light went off in my head. All right, we must have an AJ Epinesa who's starting to pop in practice. Yeah, and he had a big sack early in the game that led to that missed field goal attempt. Uh, it was back-to-back sack, second down Epinesa uh, on a golf. Looked like he was going to try to scramble for a few yards, and then obviously Milano followed that up with a sack of his own. Um, you know, I have to go again. I, I I hate to say I have to go back and look at the tape. Sounds very coach speakish, but I thought that maybe in the second half he was kind of falling off a little bit with his play, which that's to be expected, especially with how many snaps that defense was playing, how successful the Rams were with moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, I, I'll go back and look, he, but he did at least have one big play in this game. Made it made a statement, helped the Bills uh, keep three points off the board, which obviously looking at the final score. That missed field goal loomed pretty large for the overall score of the game. All right, player of the game. Uh, the way we were talking about it, and you got him as your MVP. I- I'm guessing you're going with Josh Allen. Well, yeah, he- he's MVP, but co-MVP. I'm going to give it to Tyler Croft. I- I'm happy for this guy. Battled back from a lot of injuries, but yeah, no player has been better than Josh Allen through three weeks in this in the NFL. Five touchdowns today. How how can you not? I mean, it's easy to give it to to Josh Allen in this game, and you know. <laughs> I think he's everybody's player of the game. But if I had to go with another option just to, you know, keep things interesting here, I'm going to go with Cole Beasley. Three catches on the game-winning drive, keeping the game alive on third and 22 when you mean a big play. And Sean McVay didn't want to talk about that play uh, in the post-game press conference, and rightfully so. I think Bills fans are familiar with the third and 22 that went against them, against Houston last year. So it it can be a frustrating situation. But, you know, big players make big plays in big games. And uh, Stephon Diggs talked about the unselfishness of this group. Uh, sometimes, you know, he's not going to have it going or he's, you know, he's going to be going against a really tough matchup like Jalen Ramsey. And I thought Ramsey did a pretty good job throughout the game, uh, especially in, in big chunks. Uh, obviously, Stefan Diggs beat him for the touchdown, which was a huge play in the game as well. But when when there's going to be times in the game when John Brown has to eat, he said, this is a quote, Cole Beasley has to eat. Gabriel Davis has to eat. And today I thought Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley both ate. Beasley made the plays when they when the game was on the line, six catches, a hundred yards. You know, these guys are still going to be a factor. And, and that's what I think Stefan Diggs does for this offense is that even on days when maybe he's not putting up the gaudy stats, and oh, by the way, he probably should have had two touchdowns if one's not called back and 50 yards receiving against I mean, the highest paid quarterback in the in, in the league. So not a bad day for him. And obviously, what he brings from a juice perspective is you can't really undersell that. 
Um, but I thought Cole Beasley was clutch, so we'll give him the player of the game. Uh, final thought, Ryan. Get, send us out of here with something. Yeah, run defense. Get it taken care of this week. Figure out what's wrong, gap integrity or not, because with Josh Jacobs coming in, well, Bill's going to Las Vegas, I should say, they're going to give him a healthy dose of that football, and if the Bills can't stop the run, it's, they're going to need those Josh Allen heroics for the third straight week. <sighs> yeah, AFC East, it's looking like a two-team race here. The The Patriots improved the 3-0. and uh, That's a, a definitely uh, – that, that game is going to be absolute bedlam. Uh, when the, when the New England Patriots come to Buffalo in a few weeks, uh, depending on how these next few weeks go, excited about that. I just saw Dan Arlo- Arlovsky tweet that my 0-16 Lions would beat this Jets team. So, yikes! Uh, oh, and obviously, yeah, two and one Pats. The uh, I forgot the the loss. I'm trying to give the Patriots wins. Bills Mafia, get in my mentions. I'm trying to I'm trying to give your your, your rival wins here. That's terrible. Now the Patri- Patriots are two and one, but again. Come out today, look really good, played Seattle really well, who I think is a Super Bowl contender. So those two teams are the class of this division, as we expected. Um, it's going to be you know fun to watch them when they finally collide. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the audio uh, side of things, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, um, Podbean, all of them. Uh, shout a Buffalo football podcast. We are so appreciative of you guys. We don't have our guests lined up for Wednesday yet. So maybe I'll open it up to you guys uh, again. Who do you want to see on Wednesday? Leave it in the comments. Send tweet at us, uh, whatever you want to do. And uh, we will be back Wednesday night with uh, our midweek show. It's going to be uh, a fun week for Bills fans. 3-0, and uh, scintillating come-from-behind victory. Five touchdowns for your quarterback. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Thank you to our sponsor, Tops Friendly Markets. No, they don't save you more anymore. They're your they're your neighborhood store. I got to remember the, uh, the 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 motto. Um, but keep it locked on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com for all your Buffalo Bills coverage. And we will be back Wednesday night. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in store, or online to win.